Thank you for listening, but please be advised that I hold no definitive knowledge on the topics I talk about. If you notice an error, I appreciate being advised. You can email me at livingthroughextinction at gmail.com or message me through one of the social medias. Also, I swear, and nothing is ever bleeped out, so listener discretion is advised. Oh, and I should also mention that this particular episode talks openly and honestly about facts around sex and sexuality, so even more listener discretion advised. Hello, I'm Ruby and this is episode 45 of Living Through Extinction, a short to the point podcast with science skepticism, environment, wildlife and more. A few episodes back, I told some of my more memorable experiences with run-ins with bears. Some years it was almost impossible to not run into a bear. Well, the drought this year has caused one of the worst bear years ever back home. I've been seeing all sorts of pictures. One of a big bear standing by a tree with three little bears climbing it is in the yard of the house my uncle and aunt just sold. It's a beautiful picture, but I wouldn't want to be outside walking up that sidewalk at that moment. A mama bear with babies is never safe. One friend of mine back home said they saw 11 bears when they were at the St. George dump. Ah, and my cousins who are visiting from Alberta. Holy shit. My cousin took her kids for a round of golf at the Pine Falls Golf Course, and they had to skip two holes because of bears being on them, and they had to run off the green at the ninth hole because a small bear appeared and started coming towards them. Man, the excitement of living in bear country when there are no berries in the bushes. Poor bears, though, you know. Their food sources this year have been very minimal. Anyway, on with the show. If you've joined me before, then thank you so much for returning. If this is your first time here with me, welcome. I hope you find it both fun and informative. For this skeptical segment, I would like to quickly summarize the difference between misinformation and disinformation. Both have been around forever in practice, but the word misinformation is first recorded in the 1500s. It was derived from misinform, which is first recorded between 1350 and 1400. The word disinformation did not come along until the late 60s. Both involve the sharing of bad or debunked information. What varies are the intents and purposes of the person sharing it. Misinformation happens every day by accident. Our brains have a horrible way of filling things in that we don't quite catch or understand. We mishear things. We're taken in by optical illusions. Our brains often fill in our blind spots with the pattern of whatever we're seeing around it, so we can completely miss things in this way. When we are mistaken about the information we share, if it is definitely objectively not correct information, but we shared it thinking it was, then that is misinformation. While there is no intent to deceive, what is being shared as fact is actually either outright false or completely out of context. Disinformation is different. Disinformation is deliberately misleading or biased information. Propaganda is disinformation. Saying that there's such a thing as alternative facts is disinformation. It is an incredibly common espionage tool. One would have hoped that today, in the age of information, it would have become harder to fool people. But unfortunately, people have turned against facts and these disinformation tactics are taking in the naive by droves. Disinformation is malicious. 
disinformation is divisive. With disinformation, you have the intention to spread false information and or to deceive those on the other end by manipulating the facts. Misinformation from one person can be disinformation from another. Get it? Okay. If you send something to me that you believe to be true, but it's actually a piece of propaganda or false media, then you are sharing misinformation. You were not aware that you were sharing something with manipulated facts or outright lies. You intended no harm. If I recognize that what you just sent me is propaganda, and I decide to share it as well, pretending that I believe it to be true, that's disinformation. I knew damn well it was false and shared it anyway, making people believe that I believed it. That's disinformation. And that's something I don't do, by the way. In summary, misinformation is unintentional spreading of false media, and disinformation is intentional spreading of false media. Both, however, are harmful as they spread information which is not true. Try not to be a part of that. When something comes up on your feed that you want to share, ask yourself some questions first. Is it too good to be true is a great one. If it gets you super excited, be skeptical. Does it make an attack on a specific political person or political party? If so, it's almost definitely propaganda. Real leaders tell you what they have to bring to the table. They don't waste their time trying to bring down their opponents with bullshit. Does it bring on extreme positive or negative emotions? Don't be an instant sharer just because it hit those right strings for you in the first few lines or first few seconds. Take it all in and analyze every bit of it. Be honest with yourself in the end, regardless of the results. If stats are being provided, find out where and when they come from. Often things are shared with outdated statistics when the current ones are available. Does it actually name individuals it claims to obtain its information from? Or does it say Trumpian things like, I spoke with the highest up person in this field. Or, I met with the leader of this field, highest guy, very smart, told me this. How's it that every person in the world doesn't see that for the bullshitting that it is? The naivety these people have to have in order to be preyed on in this way. Stop being so naive, people. If they're not naming the person, it's likely not true. If it's not clear where the information came from, and that's the case with most things we all share online, if it's not clear, there's probably a reason for that. And that reason is that it was very likely made up by some fool and posted. Take the time to find out before clicking share. Be skeptical, damn it. So global warming just keeps fucking warming. The world was hotter overall in July 2021 than any other July on record. This seals 2021 to end up being one of the 10 hottest years on record for the planet. I read on the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration website that the latest numbers from around the world show, quote, Human influence is unequivocally causing climate change, and it confirms the impacts are widespread and rapidly intensifying. Unquote. This past July was the hottest on record in Asia, the second hottest in Europe, and the sixth hottest in North America. The combined land and ocean surface temperatures are 0.93 degrees Celsius above 20th century averages. That 0.93 Celsius, by the way, is 1.68 Fahrenheit. In the last 50 years, world temperatures have risen faster than in any other 50-year period over the past 2,000 years. Yikes. The last time I talked about bats, it was kind of a downer, with the topic being white noise syndrome and how it's being carried from cave system to cave system by cavers who don't properly clean their equipment between trips. This time, it's a happy story, or maybe not happy per se, but something that definitely made me smile. 
Baby babble is a necessary step in language development. Human babies babble on and on, repeating sounds, sometimes for hours on end. It strengthens their speaking muscles and gets them learning what they do in order to make certain noises. Well, it turns out bats have their own vocalizing communication skills and their babies do the same things that we do at about the same point in development. The researchers were quite surprised at how close the early vocalizations of the pups studied were to those of human babies. Bat babies are called pups, by the way. I should have mentioned that earlier. It turns out they share all the major features of human baby babbling, including the frequent syllable repetition. In the end, they both have the same result, a complicated vocabulary, one for bats and one for humans. The only other creatures known to baby babble are songbirds, who also have large vocalization ranges. With this discovery in bats, I read at science.org that it opens up exciting new options for studies in vocal learning. The reason being it's possible to study bats in greater numbers, making them the ideal mammal for research in vocal learning and development in mammals. This research was published in the journal Science, and I very much want to see bats baby babbling. It just sounds like the most adorable thing ever. Today I'm going to talk about sexual health. World Sexual Health Day is September 4th, so I should have had this as a topic for the September 3rd episode. I failed there. But the month of September is World Sexual Health Month, so I figured I could still include it for the September 23rd release. Next year, I'll try to be more on top of what's happening on the dates the episodes go out. That's what I get for recording in advance, I guess. This might be a little rambly because I want to cover a bunch of things, but it's kind of all over the place while encompassing the same topic. Some of what I'm going to talk about really pisses me off, so I'm going to try to stick to the notes and not have any tangents. So, what the heck is sexual health? I think this shit's important. While sexual health does include things like being STI-free or STI-honest with your partners, there's so much more to it than that. Sexual health includes both your physical health and your emotional well-being around both sex and sexuality. There's a point in school when kids are first starting to discover who they are. If they happen to not be mainstream, there may be many barriers to their sexual health. They may, unfortunately, be in a school system that doesn't teach proper sex education, gender education. Even worse, they may be in a school system that outwardly calls people bad and or evil when they're not cisgendered and straight. Do we really want to regress? Because that's what many politicians would like to see. Ontario anti-LGBTers wanted to see schools go back to the system for sex ed in the 80s. How awful is that? If we want to do better for future generations, part of that has got to be proper, informed sex and gender education. Education that teaches the fact that people are different. Oh, and can we please start including in biology the fact that XX and XY are not the only combinations? Because idiots who think they are right like to scream in capital letters that they are definitely the only two possible combinations when really they just never educated themselves past grade school science so that's all they know and they assume that if that's all they know that must be all there is. (sighs) Sorry. To continue. Education that teaches you how to protect yourself from STIs and unintended pregnancies. Education that drastically reduces suicide rates in LGBT children. Education that includes consent. When I think of how different my life could have been if consent had been a major part of sex ed in the 80s. Of course, for some kids, it will start even earlier. A parent may have an adverse reaction to catching a child touching themselves, and that has a possibility of being a barrier to future sexual health too. Sorry if this offends anyone, but masturbation is fucking natural, y'all. How dare you shame a child? 
Teach them about discretion for sure, but don't make a kid feel like something's wrong with them just because they're curious about and exploring their own bodies. You are probably the one who should be shamed for instilling anti-sex positive values in your child from the start. If a person can't touch themselves, then how will they ever know if something's wrong? Someone who touches themselves regularly will be way more likely to notice changes early enough to save their life. So grab those boobs and balls, people. Get comfortable with it. Get comfortable with yourself. Think of it as maybe saving your life someday. But we also have to be comfortable talking about these things with our partners to communicate our needs and or STIs and with our doctors about everything. You have to be able to be open with your doctor about your sexual activity or there may be cues regarding your health that they may not pick up on. You have to be able to talk frankly about your penis, anus, sack, balls, vagina, labia, clit, clitoral legs for that matter, anything. If anything feels off or different all of a sudden, you should feel comfortable discussing it with a professional. It's how we figure things out and get better. Of course, that's easy for me to say living in Canada, but if you can, please see a professional when unexpected changes are noticed. And again, you're not going to notice these things if you don't touch yourself. Sexual relationships with your partners are also a part of your sexual health. Sexual honesty is a big part of it as well. Masturbation is a part of sexual health. As long as you're not doing it in public places or anything non-consensual like that. At pandiahealth.com, I read the following, quote, Having a healthy sexual relationship starts with taking care of yourself. Once you discover what makes you feel good, you can focus on forming healthy relationships, end quote. Another part of sexual health is accepting yourself. You are who your brain tells you you are. It has been demonstrated over and over again that it's harmful when people deny their true identities or preferences. Or beliefs, for that matter. Sorry, had to slip that in there. This isn't about religion. Or is it? Because religion teaches shame where there should be none and is solely responsible for the push of abstinence-only education in schools. Something that should be completely unacceptable in a civilized society. Yet there are thousands of schools in the U.S. getting away with it. Ignorance of a topic helps nobody. Education on a topic helps everybody. Raising kids with ignorance on LGBT issues creates bigotry, divisiveness, even hate. It is also responsible for thousands of suicides every year. The introduction of LGBT issues in schools has literally saved thousands of lives. And if you are against that, then I'm against you and whatever you stand for. Abstinence-only education is not education. All it does is say, don't do that. And we all know how well that works on hormonal teens. We can see the drastic difference in STIs and unintended pregnancies between those taught science and reality and how to take care of themselves and those taught nothing. All this ignorance does is lead to increased rates of everything we don't want for our children. Standing for abstinence-only education is standing for a culture that does not teach consent or self-care and a community rampant with disease and teen pregnancies. According to the American Sexual Health Association, someone who is sexually healthy understands that sexuality is a natural part of life and is about more than just drive. Someone who is sexually healthy will get tested regularly as their lifestyle would require. A sexually healthy person has control over their reproduction and will take safe, reliable measures to prevent both unintended pregnancies and STIs. Sexually healthy people recognize that everyone has sexual rights. They are willing to use sex health resources. They are informed on and understand things like consent, sexuality, and sex positivity. A sexually healthy person 
can experience sexual pleasure, satisfaction, and intimacy when desired. Not everyone desires all of the above. Aces do exist whether you believe in them or not, and you're not believing them is one of the barriers that they have to face in their own sexual health. Telling someone that people like them don't exist is a really shitty thing to do. Yet guess what? Aces and non-binary people are told this daily. What do you think this does for their emotional sexual health? It's not good, so stop being so shitty. A sexually healthy person can openly communicate with their partner regarding sexual health and needs and with healthcare providers when needed and is able to live an authentic life. I'd also like to share a few quotes from the American Sexual Health Association that I appreciated. One, moving into the future, sexual health will come to define a positive, respectful approach to sexual behavior and relationships. Two, sexual health is an integral component of human rights. And three, sexual health is an integral part of living an authentic life. Making it a priority can significantly improve an individual's emotional, physical, and mental well-being as well as enhance their intimate relationships. Again, all that previous stuff was from the American Sexual Health Association. So your sexual health encompasses your physical state, hygiene, sex, gender, expression, sense of self-esteem, personal attractiveness, how you take care of yourself, staying protected from STIs and unwanted pregnancies, freedom from sexual dysfunction, freedom from disease, assault, or coercion, your mental state and acceptance around who you are, your relationships, particularly the sexual ones, but also the relationship you have with yourself, both physically and emotionally. Sexual health affirms sexuality as a positive thing. So how can one improve if they were raised with the useless sex education from the 80s as I was? One idea is to find a sex-positive podcast to follow. I don't care how much you think you know, there's always more to learn. I wish sex nerd Sandra was still making new episodes. She was great. But I'm sure her backlog is still out there. Go to an adult store and try just talking openly with employees about what you might be thinking about. They'll be more than happy to help you, and there'll be no shame. Here in Winnipeg, we even have our own Adam and Eve store. But there are countless places to check out. Anyone remember Discreet Boutique? Oh my god, I haven't thought of that place in a long time. That place grew so fast it blew my mind. One day it's a tiny dark little shop in a little part of this one building and within a few years of taking over the entire building. And then one day they were just gone. Whatever happened to Discreet? I wonder when they closed exactly. Oh well, I'm old. Do you enjoy comics? There are plenty of sex positive artists out there for comic lovers as well. I personally adore Erica Moen. Their work on the Ojoy sex toy strips show people who actually look like real people. Boobs of all sizes and shapes, penises of all sizes and shapes, hairy bodies, lumpy bodies, everybody completely different, all bodies beautiful. Look up Erica Moen. Beyond the artist, they're also a really awesome person as well. I love hearing interviews with them. The old-fashioned thoughts that breasts make a woman and a penis makes a man have always been contributing factors to both women and men not feeling like they were enough. Women and men with smaller parts is just as much women and men as anyone else. And I'm telling you right now, I don't fucking care who you are. You are enough. You're not your boobs. You're not your dick. You are you. And that is what's enough. Be sex positive. Be sexually healthy. To close, here are some tips to living a sexually healthy life. Don't lie to someone about your STD status. If it doesn't come up, you have to bring it up. Honest and open communication is an important part of a healthy sexual relationship. Don't out current or past partners regarding their STD status. 
it's not a topic for gossip. You shared or are sharing an intimate relationship. Make sure your kids are being educated with reality. If the school won't do it, you must take on that responsibility. Oh, woman, don't douche. Douching is not a part of our sexual health. It is highly recommended by professionals in this area that we leave our self-cleaning ovens the fuck alone. Be honest about your desires with your partner and honest about what just isn't working for you. Be respectful of what your partner has to say in regards to their own sexual desires and discomforts. Don't kink shame if that kink doesn't non-consensually harm anyone and is practiced with safety measures. And hey, when voting, think about how beneficial it is to have sex-positive sex education in schools. We are letting future generations down by allowing abstinence-only education in any situation. Education is the beginning of people being able to accept themselves and lead full, healthy sex lives in their future. These things are fucking important. Happy World Sexual Health Month. So I'm sitting in my bed with my computer and my youngest comes in to show me something on her phone. It's a Muppet Babies cartoon. Remember Muppet Babies? The animation may be updated somewhat, but they are still adorable as ever. Though I didn't get to see Animal in this skit, which kind of sucked, but whatever. I'm so glad she showed it to me because it really made me smile. I hope you will give it a Google after this and check it out for yourself. But I'm still going to tell you about it, so spoiler alert? Anyway, in this skit, the Muppet Babies are having a ball. Not as in having lots of fun. They're actually having a ball as in a dance. They're going to a ball. And the girls are all excited and looking at possible dresses. When Gonzo points to a dress and says excitedly that he wants to wear that one, he's told he can't wear dress, silly. Dresses are for girls. Gonzo is sad, but he's also Gonzo, and decides he's going to wear that dress. But he doesn't want to be made fun of, so he creates a character. Gonzarella. Of course, Gonzarella is loved by all, but Gonzo wants to be his authentic self, so reveals himself in the end. When asked why he would disguise himself, he said that they made him feel like dresses were only for girls, but he really wanted to wear it, so he thought this was the only way. The girls, including baby Miss Piggy, apologize in the end. And now, hopefully going forward, Gonzo will be free to be whoever he turns out to be. And that made me very happy. The end. That's all I have for episode 45. Thank you for listening. May your health and sanity be replenished daily. Thank you to Jason Martin for composing the intro-outro for the show. And thank you to Kathy Rayner and Paul Palmer for their musical contributions on the violin and guitar. I hope you will join me again in two weeks for episode 46 of Living Through Extinction. If you enjoy and would like to support the show, the best ways to do so are to subscribe, rate, comment, like, and share on all the social medias and your chosen podcast player. The show can be found under Living Through Extinction on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and TikTok, and under LTE Pod on Twitter. There's also Patreon under Living Through Extinction, where you can help plant trees and earn stickers, pins, masks, and more. If you have any comments, questions, corrections, or suggestions, please email them to livingthroughextinction at gmail.com or send me a message through one of the social media pages.